0: Yet the deepest truths are best read between the lines and, for the most part, refuse to be written. Amos Bronson Alcott.
1: You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing.
0: Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And today we're talking about one of my favorite things in the writer's toolbox.
1: Our topic is subtext. It's those things between the lines, the things that are implied. The things that we've talked about in the past when we tell you about world building and backstory, that is subtext. Subtext adds depth to your characters, to your settings, to your world, to your dialogue, to everything about writing. Which is why when we talk about making your outline or developing your world, developing your characters, that you know so much more about all the characters that you aren't putting in the book so that your knowledge can be written in subtext. It's those things that you can imply by looking and showing he sees a dog and his muscles tighten and moves to the other side of the street. His breath quickens. So you can imply, yes, he is afraid of dogs and there is a story there, without having to explain the story in a page and a half of useless backstory.
0: I would say this is a good litmus test for a skilled writer. Is there subtext in the moment? We spoke about this during our Diagnosis Writer series over the summer, when we focused on dialogue. A lot of what we said was take stuff out of the quotation marks, because then you're moving it to subtext, And it becomes a more interesting read. How do you write something without writing it? One of the ways you can do it is your character probably has a tell. Every time he lies, he runs his fingers through his hair. And then one of the characters can point it out to another one. Hey, you ran your fingers through your hair. I bet you're lying. That happens at the beginning of your story. The reader is informed of this particular detail Now throughout the rest of the story, every time he runs his fingers through his hair, we know he's lying. Then there's this element of depth to the story because it's not only what the truth is of the moment, but what he wants the other characters to believe the truth of the moment is. One of my favorite examples of establishing subtext is from the more modern version of Italian Job. There's this saying between several of the characters that the word fine stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm pretending to be okay, but I'm really freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. There's an elegance and an artistry to how they use such a common word in that story because they defined it to have a bunch of subtext attached to it.
1: So here's the danger of subtext. Say you establish something like that, and then you have a time later that they are using, I'm fine, literally. Suddenly things are lost in translation to the reader because they're thinking that it's attached to all the subtext, when really you just kind of thoughtlessly threw in, I'm
0: fine. Your editor will point this out to you saying, is this what you intended? Because you could have intended, he's freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. But if you didn't, and you didn't do anything with it, the editor is going to go, hey, this needs to be a different word.
1: Another use for subtext is to get your readers thinking about the book when they're not reading. This is one of the reasons I love Brandon Sanderson's books. There is so much subtext, enough subtext that I can reread the book multiple times and still learn something new every time that I had missed before. And when I'm not actively reading, I'm thinking about those little details, those little elements about the stories, the characters, the nuances that just fill the books. That is probably why they're so long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This bit of detail is especially useful at the end of a chapter Because that's what will get people thinking about it while they're driving, when they should be paying attention in school, when they're in the shower. These things when their mind wanders, if it's wandering to you, goody. That's part of the goal. You want them engaged in your story and thinking about it when they aren't actively reading the book. Subtext is also really good for getting your reader to be thinking in two ways at once. If you're familiar with film that's called a split screen, where two different things are happening at the same time, having that subtext established will help your readers understand a lot more of the moment in a lot less acreage on the page, a lot less time spent. We understand what one character is interpreting is different than what another character is interpreting because we know he's lying.
1: There are a couple of times, especially in writing, where subtext is very important. One of the first ones is when characters are lying. You rarely want to just come out and say, it was a lie. So you want to have those tells, those little
0: nuances that show that without having to say it. Unless, of course, you have that character who just goes, I don't believe you. They'll just call him out on it. But that is a character choice and the reader should understand why the character is saying that because the reader understands the subtext of the situation. Another type of story where you need to have a lot of subtext is, of course, the mystery because everyone is looking at all of the other characters and going, did this person commit the murder or did this person steal the jewels or whatever every single character is being addressed with a little bit of subtext because the reader is trying to figure it out. You also want to have enough subtext in your
1: mysteries so that your readers feel satisfied at the end of the book, especially with murder mysteries where it's a whodunit. You want the reader to be able to pick up on little subtleties here, little subtleties there that lead them to, by the end of the book, Having a pretty good guess about who the bad guy is. And that is all done in subtext.
0: Another great use of subtext comes with introverts. They're not going to be blatant about their emotions. So you
1: need the subtleties of subtext when you have a character who is an introvert speaking as an introvert.
0: Subtext is the the path you take as an author to make sure it's believable for your readers.
1: You also want subtext when you have characters that are falling in love. This one is difficult for me because when it comes to relationships and emotions, I'm pretty straightforward. So writing a subtle falling in love over time romance is not easy. (laughs) But this can help your readers feel emotionally connected. They can feel like they're falling in love at the same time without being beaten over the head with it.
0: One of my favorite moments in the Jack Reacher series is when Reacher has been friends with and commanding over this woman who is incredibly strong, incredibly powerful. She hates being touched. There's one moment when they're in a life and death situation, they know one of them is probably going to die tomorrow unless everything happens perfectly, which of course it does. In a time when he would have slept with anyone else, he didn't, he respected her and he didn't touch her, but she reached out and put her hand on his for like four seconds and then walked away and went into her room. But that was the first time after like 20 years of being friends, the first time they had physical contact. And There was so much subtext in the emotions of that moment that I just loved it so much.
1: Subtext is also fun when you need something to sound ominous or to carry a second meaning, like the example
0: from the Italian job of I'm fine. If I have a character who is bleeding out and the mother figure is holding him in her arms and she goes, everything's going to be okay. You know as a reader, everything is not going to be okay. Another word that carries a lot of subtext is goodbye. If you watch a fair amount of TV, pay attention to when they end a phone call with goodbye. That feeling, that sinking in your gut, that's intentional by the writers. Of course, when a character is lying for the sake of someone's emotional status. Oh, I'm just kidding. They're not.
1: They said it for a reason. They're not actually kidding. There's a bit of truth behind every, just kidding. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, they do.
0: They wouldn't bring it up if they didn't.
1: Yeah. Or, I don't know, how
0: many times have you met a kid where you ask them what happened and they're like, I don't know. There is plenty of subtext in all of these phrases to throw in. But use them intentionally because your reader will infer something that you might not have meant to imply.
1: If you have more questions about the use and what subtext is, look up actors talking about subtext. They have to deal with this a lot because screenplay writers write the text and then the actors have to act the subtext. And as the writer writer, you are kind of both. You need to write the text, imply the subtext in a way that your readers can latch
0: onto it and live it like an actor would. So if something feels wrong in the story that you're writing, try implying as much of it as you can with subtext and then bringing it back to literal because that will give you a much richer story instead of him saying, I don't want to go fight the dragon He can hesitate in putting his armor on and he can go, well, we could always fight the dragon tomorrow. You can start implying all of these things with subtext if you're feeling that your story is falling a little flat. A lot of the time you just want to
1: make it smaller, go down onto a smaller level, which we will be talking about in a week. But until then, write selfishly.